Welcome to Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia. This podcast is a collection of messages designed to help you grow in our three anchors of real devotional life, real community, and real responsibility. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. All right, all right. It's good to be family, isn't it? If you're new here, we're, they're just weird like that. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, I am a person who loves a good burger. Anybody with me? You love a good burger? I'm not talking about like, okay, I'm not talking about some $13 burger where you got to take out a loan to eat a burger. You know what I'm saying? Like where you got, you know, some downtown mall with some, I don't care, I don't need my bun branded. Come on. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't need to, I don't want to take out a loan to eat a burger. I'm talking. All a good burger needs is a good sear on the patty. You know what I'm talking about? Just a nice hot sear, a little crispy edge on that burger. And then the other thing a good burger needs, it needs a good bun to meat ratio. Yeah. Ain't nobody got time for some great big hunky bun with a little bitty slab of meat. You know what I'm talking about? And also, come on, come on now. And also... Ain't nobody got time for, for some soggy bun that can't hold the big old meat. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, it's all juicy and soggy. Nobody got time for that. You got to have the right bun to, beat, uh, bun, to beat, bun to meat ratio. I'm just getting started in here. <laughs> you guys are keyed up. Well, if you were to come to my hometown, I would take you for a good burger. I'm talking a good blue-collar burger, okay? First, I would take you to this place called Mike's Drive-In. Go ahead and put up a picture. That's, that's the place up there. Doesn't that look like a fine dining establishment or what? That's Mike's Drive-In up there. Okay, so here's the deal. Mike's Drive-In has been open for business as long as I've been alive. Not only have a really good burger, but they have root beer on tap. And a cold, frosty mug. Okay, but not only that, they have on their burgers a special sauce. No one knows what's in the special sauce, or they'd break your kneecap or something. I don't know. You know, like somehow they've been able to keep this as a as a secret for all these years. And then every time I go home, we will drive two towns over to this place called Nestler's Polar Whip. My kids will ask, Dad, are we going to Polar Whip? I'm like, of course we're going to Polar Whip when we're in Southern Illinois. We're going to Polar Whip. Okay, so that place has, uh, anyways, uh, has these burgers that are unlike any other burger you've ever had. They're really, really inexpensive. They're known for being very inexpensive, but they have a special ingredient and no one knows what the special ingredient is. However, rumor has it, it's some kind of cereal. Of all things, in a, in a burger, cereal, all I can say, it's glorious. It's glorious, okay? And so if you came with me to Southern Illinois, we would go to, go, go to Polar Rip, and you would also get a soda where they can make the flavors on the spot. So like a, you know, a lime Coke or, you know, they, they squirt the, the, the flavor right in there, you know. Anyways, so that's a little bit of Polar Rip. Oh, you can also get fried green beans there, but I'm talking about burgers. Okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal. These burgers 
have a special ingredient that has kept this place open for decades. Mike's driving. The only thing that has kept them open has got to be the special sauce. And the reason why I share this with you is this is why I love our passage tonight because it tells us of a key that will help us to live faithfully with Jesus in his kingdom, a key ingredient that will help us thrive, like the key ingredients to help these restaurants. Here's the setting. It was a normal day, about a week after the most important conversation the disciples had ever had. They were asked a question that they got right, and it confirmed their suspicion to their great joy, and then a curveball. A curveball they did not see coming. They answered the question right. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the king of the kingdom. And they were thrilled. And then the curveball came because Jesus said that he would die on a cross and be resurrected three days later. And they're like, wait, what? No, you're the king that's going to, put, that's going to kill the people who kill people, right? no. I'm going to be the one who's killed and then raised from the dead. And he doesn't stop there. He says, not only that, if you're going to come after me, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to take up your cross and follow me. And of course, the disciples are like, what are you talking about? You're the king of God's kingdom. We're like going to sit on your right and left. We're going to rule. This is going to be awesome. What are you talking about with the cross? Of? In fact, Peter rebukes him. He's like, you can't be talking like that. That's not good for the press. That's not going to play well on Instagram. I'm telling you right now. Well, Jesus just won't let him away from the fact that his kingdom is one that's shaped by a cross. And so it's six days later. Their minds are still spinning at the curveball that Jesus has thrown them. And Jesus comes up to three of the disciples and asks them, do you want to go on a walk? As they process the nature of his kingdom. And so Jesus takes them on a walk up a nearby mountain in Galilee. And what happens on this mountain will forever be etched in their mind. Will you go with me on a walk with Jesus up a mountain and let's see what happens. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 9. Let's go up the mountain with Jesus. Mark chapter 9 verse 2. If you have your Bible, please follow along with me for those of you who don't, the words will be up on the screen, but we'd love for you to get a Bible on the way out because we want everybody to have a copy of the scriptures and follow along. It says this, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who are talking 
with Jesus. Okay, stop right there for just a second. They are on this walk. Their heads are spinning from the curveball of the fact that the, the, the kingdom of God is going to be marked by a cross and, and that his kingdom will be shaped cross, a cross-shaped kingdom. And as they're walking up the mountain, wrestling with this reality, wrapping their heads around it, Jesus gives them exactly what they need. He gives them a glimpse of his glory. In fact, it's glory that's so, it's indescribable because they're like, it's like, it was so wide, it's like wider than, than you could bleach things. Like, you know how white that is? Well, wider than that. You know, it's like they're just, they're trying to explain it, but they can't explain it because I just kind of see it as this way. Like Jesus goes up the mountain and like a button pops out of his shirt or something and glory comes shooting out. You know, it's just like (laughs) glory, just whoa. And then Elijah and Moses show up. What's that all about? Well, we'll come back to that in a moment. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. He's like, now that's what I'm talking about. That's the kingdom I signed up for. Glory, you know. He's like, "Uh, let's put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, one for... I don't even need a shelter. I'll just watch you guys. Let's put up some shelters. And I love verse 6. Okay, so here's the deal. Mark was... Is believed to be the teachings of Peter that Mark is recording. And so I see Peter saying, it says he did not know what to say. He was so frightened. Peter's like, I don't know what I was talking about. I just like, I guess we built something. You know, let's stay here for a while. I just, I just love the authenticity of that. He, he didn't know what he was talking about. Okay. He was scared. Okay. Then a cloud appeared and covered them. So I, I just kind of picture Peter talking. We could like build, sh- whoa, Okay. <laughs> cloud descends and a voice comes from the cloud this is my son whom I love listen to him okay Jesus is saying hard stuff like if you're going to come after me you have to take up your cross and follow me and so it's getting hard and so Jesus is or the father is saying this is my son and I love love him and even though he says hard stuff you need to listen to him Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. And they're like, did you? As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them the orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. And so immediately after this counter with glory, he goes back to the fact that there will be a cross and there will be a resurrection And that the cross will precede the glory. There will be no glory without the cross. Now they're on their way down on this walk where their minds are blown. In verse 14 it says, When they came to the other disciples, they're coming down the mountain. When they came to the other disciples, this is one big story. When they came down... To the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and they ran to him, ran to greet him. Okay, so Jesus is coming down the mountain, 
coming down from this revelation of glory that was revealed on the mountain. And immediately as they come down, there was no heading in the text that there was, you know, like that broke this up. This is the same story coming down the mountain. And what happens? What happens is they immediately encounter the brokenness and the darkness of the world. Jesus says, what are you arguing about with him? He asked his disciples, what are you arguing about with him? He asked. Verse 17, a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son. By the way, they didn't bring their son to Jesus. They brought their son to Jesus' disciples, but that was supposed to be as good as bringing him to Jesus, according to the gospel in the sky. Who is possessed with a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Okay, so Jesus comes down the mountain. The disciples that didn't go up the mountain, he finds them arguing over theology with the teachers of the law, but absolutely powerless to do anything about bringing his kingdom to bear in this desperate situation. Should give us pause. Are we better at arguing our theology than we are being conduits of kingdom power? And Jesus, he says, Oh, unbelieving generation, he replied, How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And in this In this verse, we get this picture of the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus that wants to meet people in the the darkness of their situation and and see the liberation of the kingdom enter into their life. The the heart of Jesus that that wants to see the the powers of darkness broken and the brokenness of the world reversed and see his kingdom come into people's lives. And so when his people, who he, he wants them, and in fact, he expects them to have the power to take care of the situation. I mean, in chapter 6, he gave them the power to cast out demons. And yet they're powerless in this moment. And we get the picture of the heart of Jesus and what Jesus wants for his church, and that is, is that the the power of his kingdom would be at work among us in our community where people would be liberated and experience the transforming power of his kingdom. That's what he wants for his people. And so they bring the boy to Jesus. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion And he fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the father, the boy's father, how long has he been like this? Interesting time to ask a question. From childhood, he answered. It is often thrown him into the fire or or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible For one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. What an honest moment. Here is this man who has 
faith, but he's watched his son for years suffer. He's been disappointed. He's watched the difficulty. He's been disillusioned so many times, and but yet he still has this faith, though it be battered and beaten, and he comes in his battered and beaten faith, and he brings it to Jesus. And here's what we learn. We learn in this moment that it's more about the object of your faith than the strength of your faith that matters. He comes to Jesus as the object of his faith and the weakness of his faith. Yes, I believe, but help my unbelief. And what does Jesus do? Here's how Jesus responds to to his bruised and battered faith. When Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And the spirit shrieked and convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked much like a corpse. So much like a corpse, they said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. And after Jesus had gone indoors, the disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, Jesus replied, This kind comes out only by prayer. That's an interesting response, seeing that I don't see him praying when he casts out the demon. For dramatic pause. (laughs) The passage... What Jesus is saying is they weren't living in a posture of dependence on God in communion with him. They, it wasn't just about, this is my thesis. It was about they weren't living lives of prayerful dependence and a posture of dependence. They were living lives of self-sufficiency. We'll talk about that in a second. But this passage starts, it's bookended by a key for Christian living, for living in God's kingdom. It starts with a picture of of Jesus going up a mountain with them so they could encounter the glory of Jesus. That's where it starts, right? I mean, you're one verse in and Jesus is transfigured. Glory starts, you know, brighter than, than bleach, you know? And then it ends by this declaration of Jesus. This kind only comes out by prayer. You have these two bookends to this account. And what it's telling us is Jesus is teaching them about faith that expresses itself through prayer. About faith that longs to be in the presence of Jesus and to see him glorified. In fact, faith that, requ- that needs it because what's coming is going to be so difficult that they need to see the transfigured Christ so that they will have what it takes to be faithful. If I were going to entitle this message something tonight, I would simply give you this title, Don't Neglect Your Mountain. See, throughout the Bible, here's what you see. You see the people of God met with God on a mountain. I mean, in fact, why do Moses and Elijah show up? We'll talk about it in just a second. But one of the reasons why they show up is because they met with God on a mountain. And do you know what Jerusalem was? Jerusalem was, where did they build the temple? On the temple Mount, right? You would always go up to Jerusalem. You meet with God on the mountain. And so Jesus takes them figuratively, 
literally up a mountain, but for us figuratively, I would say don't neglect your mountain. Richard Foster, author of Celebration of Discipline, says this. The desperate need today is for a greater number, or is, is not for a greater number of intelligent people. I would say especially here. Or gifted people. But for deep people. What the world needs is not gifted Christians or intelligent Christians, but deep followers of Jesus. See, the goal of the Christian life is that we would live in the presence of God in communion with him all the time, everywhere. But if we're going to live in his presence all the time, everywhere, it has to start sometime, somewhere. Are you guys following me? And what I would like to do is I would just like to give you four observations from the mountain. Observation number one comes from verse two. We don't have to read very far. It simply says this, they were all alone. Isn't that deep? They're all alone. One of the greatest hindrances to our mountain with God is distractions. It's interesting to me, when you read about the life of Jesus, what does it say over and over again about the life of Jesus? It says that he went into a solitary place. Jesus had to get away from the distractions to meet with the Father. You see it over and over again in the, in, in the Gospels. We live in a world full of distractions. In her book, Restless Devices, Felicia Wu Song says this, that the average American spends five and a half hours a day on their phone. People your age, 16 to 25, spend closer to seven hours a day on their phone. The average person touches their phone, in America touches their phone, 2,600 times a day. I guess every character is a touch. I'm not sure how they came up with that total. And checks their phone every 10 to 12 minutes. I'm not um, anti-technology But I wonder if we neglect our mountain because we're distracted by YouTube and TikTok and Instagram. I think today Jesus would take the disciples up the mountain not to get get away from the noise of the workshop or away from the crowds in the marketplace, but get them up the mountain to where they didn't have cell phone reception. That's what I believe. Because any moment where there'd be enough stillness where maybe we could discern what God is saying, we pull out something and the distraction floods in and we neglect our mountain. I am probably the last person that I know to get a a smartphone. I was in the dumb phone world for as long as I possibly could. Then I had to go to New York City and I needed an app to learn how to ride the sub system because I didn't have Zach with me he would have taught me but um, and so what I did is I got me a, a smartphone and my life has never been the same 
and I'm not sure for all the right reasons, okay? Actually, I was quite disciplined with my phone until something happened called COVID. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um. (laughs) All right, all right. But here's what happened. Here's what happened. I found myself, I'm a pastor, I lead a fellowship and things are, are unfolding really fast. And so I got to keep up on all the latest trends and know, you know, what the counts and cases are and, and what are all the stipulations and what is the, you know, what is the CDC saying, all these things. And so I'm like scrolling stories, right? And all of a sudden, I'm just still scrolling. And then, you know, a week later, I'm still scrolling. And can I tell you, that I kind of got addicted to just reading like news titles on news apps. And to this day, I battle it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so like on the weekends, I don't let myself read news apps because I'm trying to break the addiction. It's one of the things I do on Sabbath. But my point is simply this, what are we doing to make sure that distractions don't rob us of our mountain? I have never seen a student fast social media for a month and at the end of the month say they regretted it. Do you know what I've heard? That was life-changing. And then they download the app again. You can't make it up. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. I'm just keeping it real. Somebody's got to keep it real, right? Keep it real. Okay, so I have a simple question for you. What parameters do you put on your phone so you can abide in Jesus and not in your phone? Felicia Wu Song says that perhaps... We abide in our phone more than we abide in Jesus. Observation number two from the mountain is this, is that when they put the distractions aside and they got up the mountain, there was a deeper revelation of Jesus waiting for them. What does it say? He was transfigured. Okay, now let's talk about this. What, what, what did they behold? They behold, be, beheld, sorry, they beholded, they, they beheld the glory of, his, of his, his being. And I just think about today, like whenever I go up the mountain, what do I behold? I, I behold the glory of his love afresh, the glory of his grace afresh, afresh the, the, the glory of his righteousness afresh, the glory of his holiness afresh. And I walk away from the mountain with a fresh revelation of the glory of Jesus. And it talked about how his clothes were, were, were so white, that, you know, brighter than bleach. And here's what I know, those Jewish young men who saw that, they couldn't help but think about Daniel chapter 7 verse 9 where it talks about the ancient of days the one who rides on the clouds who rules over the nations and it says this as I look thrones were set in place and the ancient of days took his seat and his clothing was white as snow because this wasn't just like oh look how bright look how, look how bright. no this was saying that Jesus is the ancient of days 
He's not just a human Messiah, but he is God incarnate. He is the ancient of days. There was a fresh revelation that awaited them. And not only that, then you see Moses and Elijah show up. Well, why does Moses and Elijah show up? Because Moses is the giver of the law and Elijah is the quintessential prophet of the Old Testament. And their presence, they're bearing witness to the fact that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. He's the fulfillment of the prophets. He's the one that the law and the prophets pointed towards and that they're following the one that the law and the prophets pointed. They are living in the moment and walking with God in flesh, the fulfillment of the law and prophets. And there's a revelation of Jesus that they would have missed had they neglected the mountain. They're like, hey, actually, Jesus, go ahead on that walk. I, I, I'm, there's some really cool stuff on here. I can tell you what has sustained me in my life with Christ in the midst of sometimes hard obedience, cross-oriented obedience is simply time on the mountain where my heart is refreshed, where my desires are renewed, where my soul is nourished with his word and Jesus becomes the center of my heart once again. And I can tell you without the mountain, without time with him, I don't know. I don't know. I need the mountain. I need time with Jesus. Third observation is he received encouragement towards obedience. I mean, the father says, listen to him. <laughs> I love that. I, I mean, I, I could come up to you during your uh, quiet time. You're reading, you know, you're reading Bible. I'd say, listen to that. Okay, that you'd be like, oh, okay, I guess I will. Okay, okay. But if a voice comes from heaven, listen to him. You'd be like, ah. I better Listen. You know what I'm talking about? I'm going to be listening. Because here's the thing. The father knows that the, what Jesus didn't just start saying tough stuff and say, oh, never mind, just kidding. No, the rest of the gospel, he's going to say hard stuff. But the father's saying, listen to him. And you're going to need this revelation of the glory of who Jesus is because as it gets hard, you're going to need to know the one you're following. You're going to need that revelation. But listen to him. And here's what I know. When you spend time on the mountain, you walk away with encouragement towards obedience and with endurance to stay obedient. And so I can't tell you how many times I feel like I've gone up the mountain and just laid there feeling my endurance is spent and Jesus lifts me up by his grace. And Jesus strengthens my feeble knees and he gives me my daily bread and I come off the mountain saying, okay, by the grace of God and the Spirit's power, I'm gonna follow Jesus. Anybody with me on this? You know what I'm talking about? And then finally, number four, is that the resources for God, what God wants to do through you flow from the mountain, your communion with God. The words of Jesus that close this story ring out so powerfully, the only, this kind only comes out through prayer. Prayer 
is how we access the resources of God's kingdom. My wife Amy and I were talking about this passage. Actually, it was in our small group we were talking about this passage. And she shared something that just was so powerful for me. Here's what she shared. Prayer is not just what we share with God, but it's about what God shares with us. She says, so many times we think about prayers like coming in to our time of prayer, just sharing a bunch of stuff, oh God, like we're informing God of stuff. Like, oh, I don't know if you know this, but you know, I really need to do something here, you know? Which is, you know, we're told to do that because we're not, as uh, Ian Bounce says, in prayer, you're not informing God of the need, you're expressing your dependence on God for the need, right? We, we think about it this way, but what, what we get a glimpse of is that prayer isn't just this way, prayer's this way. It's what we receive from God in prayer. So what happens when you spend time alone with God? You, get, you put your cell phone aside for 10 to 12 minutes. You go up the mountain. You, the place of God's presence, if you will, where you step aside to the burning bush to use the phraseology from last week. There's a revelation of Jesus that's not necessarily, maybe not something new, but it deepens, right? There's resources for what God wants to do through you. There's encouragement for your obedience. There's endurance that, that can fill you. As Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God, there's sustenance and nourishment that waits for you. And I would simply say, let's not neglect our mountain. Let me just say this. I have seen over and over again when students decide that they're not gonna neglect them and they start to put aside time regularly to meet with God through the word and in prayer that what happens is their walk with Jesus starts to fundamentally transform. This is what happened to my wife. My wife uh, rededicated her life to Christ while she was in college. And when she was in college, here's what happens. She, uh, she struggles. That's what you wanna hear about your campus pastor, right? She struggled. And there was another young lady who rededicated her life to Christ simultaneously. And her name was the same as Amy's. So it was Amy. You got it. Okay, yeah. So these two Amy's are following Jesus together. And Amy asks Amy, my Amy. Okay. And just, um, she, says, she says this. Uh, like, do you read your Bible? And my wife says, it's like a light bulb went off. I should probably read my Bible. And she started reading her Bible steadily. It took her three and a half years to read through it from cover to cover. But she started steadily reading her, not because some pastor told her, but because a friend asked her a simple question. Do you like read your Bible? And she would tell you it was in that moment that her walk with Jesus started to skyrocket and stabilize. Because she wasn't neglecting the mountain. Okay, here's what I want you to know. You will never have more discretionary time until you retire than you have right now. And, the re and you're like, you don't know my schedule. Okay, hey, here, here's what I know. Okay, if you're an A schooler, I may be wrong. Okay, but that's me. Okay, no. <laughs> okay, but no. <laughs> Liz is like, I hear you. Joanna got you. <laughs> All right. Okay, so here's what I know. Here's what I know. Alum, over and over again, to be like, I never believed you. And then they come back and they're like, you were so right. They didn't believe me. You don't know how busy my, I'll show you my Google Calendar. And I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. If you can take a nap at any time, 
Okay, that's enough. Okay, but here. Okay. The reason why I say that is this. If you don't learn to abide with Jesus during college, I am sorry to say, I don't know you ever will. If you neglect your mountain in college, you may neglect your mountain all your life. I'm not saying that for, I'm just being real with you. Here's what I know. Your time with God is not about earning anything. It's not about earning favor or earning love. You're already loved. His favor is already on you. It's about growing in your relationship with him, knowing him better, experiencing the fellowship he longs to have with you. It is about your growth into all that he wants for you. I'm gonna close with this. I remember after a leaders meeting probably 18, 19 years ago, I was walking out of the back of Newcomb where we used to have our leaders meetings and this young lady came up to me. I just talked about the importance of spending time with God and she's like, okay, so um, I've been reading my Bible and praying but it doesn't seem like it strengthened me like you talk about. And it's kind of like, it's not working, you know. And I, my first response is, well, I was like, well, you never know because God could be doing stuff that you can't discern in that moment. Because just because you don't feel it doesn't mean God's not doing stuff. Does that make sense? We don't live by our feelers. Okay? But then I asked a question. I asked her, what's the difference between a drive-thru and a nice white tablecloth restaurant? And in that question, I found what was her hindrance. I mean, think about when you go to a drive-thru. You're driving, Right? You're listening to your favorite Spotify playlist. You're thinking about where you've just been. You think about where you're going, and then they're like, somebody says, Can I take your order, please? You're like, Oh, man, I got to turn it. Yeah, yeah, you can. I guess that's why I'm here, right? You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like catches you off guard. You're like, Oh, yeah, I, I should know that. Just a second, please. Then you're like, uh, uh. You're like, I need something cheap. Okay. McDouble, I'll take McDouble. I give me a couple McDoubles, you know, whatever. All right. And then you get your couple McDoubles, you you pull away, and you're like eating your McDouble, you're driving, you're still thinking about where you've been, where you're going, you're still listening to your Spotify playlist. You get to where you're you're trying to eat fast because you gotta get this done before you get to that other place, right? Like, and so you get there, you take the bag, you're like, I got those ways, not gonna smell like French fries in here, you know. Anyways. And you could go to wherever you're going, they'd say, What'd you have for dinner? You're like, uh, I don't know, but I ate. Because you're like, I you know, I just know I ate something, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's like, you can't tell you what you ate for dinner because you just, it was not a dining experience. You just, you just ate something. Okay. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to picture yourself walking into a really nice white tablecloth restaurant. And the maitre d' says, how many? And you say, party of two, me and Jesus. He said, just this way. <laughs> Okay, okay, three, Holy Spirit. Okay, come on. No, no, okay, so anyways, all right, no, anyways. Okay, so you and Jesus, you go sit down. They're like, this is the menu. Okay, here we go, here we go. All right, hold on. Get the menu. 
And you're like, oh, they got some nice appetizers. Jesus gives you the nod. So you're like, okay, we're going appetizers now. Yeah. So you, you know, I'll take the appetizers. So the appetizers come out and you eat the appetizer and sit back and just fellowship a little bit, you know. And then the main course comes and woof, nice filet comes out. Sorry, Christopher, that's not for you, but. Um, for Christopher, a portobello mushroom comes out. But. <laughs> He's a vegetarian, if you didn't know. Okay, okay. okay. Whatever your flavor is. But it is, I mean, this is delectable. It's so good. Every, you're just eating little morsels, little morsels. Mm. Savoring, savoring it. Take a, you know, drink Sit there and you laugh. <laughs> it's great company, you know. Just got all the time. And then they come and you're like, "Would you like to see the dessert menu?" Jesus gives you a little nod. I believe I will. And they come, <laughs> plate, all the samples. You're like, "Hmm, take that cheesecake or you know." So then you're sitting. And then afterwards, you're like, oh, "That's good." You're at rest. You're relaxed. Join the community. Not in a hurry. And the question is this. How much would you pay for that? See, at the drive-thru, like, you're like, it's got to be under seven bucks or I got robbed. You know what I'm talking about? But a meal like that, you'll pay some good money for. And Jesus is like, I got the tab. I'm the one who made this possible. I picked it up a long time ago. In fact, in the book of Revelation, in chapter 3, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He says this to the church. He doesn't say this to people who are out in the world living it up. No, he says it to the church. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone will open the door, will you open the door? If anyone will open the door, I'll come in and eat with them. And then with me. And we'll enjoy a white tablecloth feast. It's the invitation of Jesus. We have the worship team come up as we close. Um, let me, as the worship team comes up, let me just make a a quick, quick observation today is November 6th. That's what it says back there. Um, I'm going to reframe this month and we're going to call it In the Bible Ember. It's going viral, baby. In the Bible Ember. Here's what I want to encourage you with. Here's, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm losing you. I'm losing you. Bring it in. Here's what I want to encourage you with. This month, can I encourage you, 
Do not neglect your mountain. And here's what I know. Jesus didn't take one disciple. How many did he take? Three disciples. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to find someone in your core group. I want you to find somebody in your core group and say, will you be my mountain buddy? And here's what you're going to do. Here's what a mountain's buddy, here, here's what a mountain buddy's going to do. You guys ready? You guys ready? Here's what a mountain buddy's going to do. They're simply going to like, hey, here's, here's what Jesus teach me on the mountain and you share it with each other. And then they're going to ask you, hey, have you been neglecting your mountain? Have you been going up your mountain? Have you been spending time in the presence of Jesus? Then they're going to say, like, are you taking your phone with you or are you leaving your phone back? You know, like, how, how are you keeping your phone from keeping you from going up the mountain? Are you guys following me? And you're just going to walk together and journey together. Jesus took three of them. And I think the reason why is because only one of them saw it. The other 11 wouldn't have believed it. You know what I'm saying? But all three of them saw it. And two or three witnesses, okay, it happened. Okay, are you guys following? But here's what I would say. Let's this month turn it into in the Bible ember and let's be people who go up the mountain and let's see what Jesus does among us. The revelation deepening, our obedience increasing, our endurance lengthening and the resources we need being deposited into our lives so we can be people who don't just argue about theology but have the power of the kingdom at work in our lives. Amen? Let's stand and worship together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you made a way where we could enter into your presence. We don't have to live in our own weakness, but we can live in your strength by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you meet us in our weariness, that you are the lifter of our head. Thank you for the revelation you give us of Jesus so we can keep on keeping on even when it's difficult. Lord, thank you for your goodness and grace and the work of your spirit in our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would meet with us as we set aside time. Oh God, may it be said that we abide in Jesus, not in our phones. And may we hear your voice as we read your word. And may we receive and not just share with you, but you share with us as we pray. Here's what I want you to do. Look at your, uh, look at your friend. Say it's in the Bible ember. Okay, okay. And then say this: Don't neglect your mountain. Okay, okay. Now here's what I want you to do. As ironic as it, I want you to get out your phone. Get out your phone. Get out your phone. Okay, just a second. Just a second. And no, no, no. We're not gonna break it. Okay, no, no, no. Here, I'm not against your phone. Okay. Um, we had a technicality on the on the QR code on the baptism sign up. So. You have your phone out. If you have not been baptized and you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to uh, take, you know, he talked about how going to the mountain gives you, uh, you know, re- encouragement towards obedience. This would be great encouragement towards obedience and baptism. It's not the great option um, of the Christian life, but Jesus told us to get baptized. We would love to celebrate your baptism with you. In all seriousness, if you uh, have never been baptized, go ahead and scan that and fill that out and we'll get a hold of you. Only in, under your own free will. I'm not, there's no forcing. Um, that's between you and Jesus. But I am going to speak that Jesus would love for you to follow him, that act of allegiance. Okay, that's number one. Um, number two, I don't remember. Oh, I do now, I do now. Number two is this. Number two is on Saturday, it's sign-ups for spring break mission trips. Do not forget it. Ask the Lord what he would have you do and do it and have a blast doing it, following Jesus. And so now for the, uh, for the benediction, 
May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and turn his countenance towards you. And may he give you peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's have a great week following Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia podcast. For more information, you can visit our website, xaatuva.com. 